Hello, I'm Connor Pope. This is In the News from the Irish Times, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, can we win the race against the Delta variant? This variant uh, originated in India. It was first spotted there last October, quite a long time ago, really. Um, and nobody paid too much notice to it until the spring this year, when obviously, as you will remember, there was a huge surge of cases in India. Health officials are talking of this as the most alarming rise in coronavirus cases in any country at any point during this pandemic. Now, it wasn't too clear what was causing that surge. The, the Alpha or the UK variant was also implicated. So it took some time before people came to realise that the Delta variant was the main culprit, by which time it had spread to the UK and is now spreading around the world. Paul Cullen is the Irish Times health editor and he's been tracking the recent surge of COVID cases related to the Delta variant. It is a, uh, you know, yet another mutation of this virus. Uh, that's not unusual in itself, and, but it seems to be more effective in transmitting itself and it may be more dangerous for people who get it. It could be a bigger threat than the initial coronavirus that originated in China 18 months ago. Since the Delta variant was first detected in the UK in the spring, it has spread rapidly and is now the dominant strain. The Delta variant now accounts for 96% of new cases. It has derailed the UK's plans for a summer reopening and it's making a lot of people very sick. The number of cases is rising and hospitalisations are starting to rise too. They're up 48% over the past week. In Ireland, there are fears that a fourth deadly wave of the virus is on the way. The summer is looking good, but the Delta variant still looms. We're making excellent progress, and the last thing we ever want to see is a situation where we have to go backwards. This time, maybe, we have an advantage over the virus in that we can see what's happened with Delta in the UK and try to avoid that happening here. But is enough being done? Paul, where is Ireland now when it comes to the Delta variant? Well, in Ireland, um, we're relying on uh, sequencing a proportion of our cases. So when somebody tests positive, about 30% of those cases now are, are, are genetically sequenced to try and find out what uh, variant is involved. And uh, thankfully, we're down at around 5% of cases involving uh, the Delta variant, a total of 188 since we started, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, but you do have to remember what happened over Christmas when we had another new variant, the Alpha or the UK variant, which took over the country within a matter of weeks. So things can start small, but get big very quickly. It seems as though with each new variant, the virus gets stronger. Is that really what's happening? Yeah, I mean, it's entirely normal and natural for a virus to mutate. A virus mutates when there's a change to its genome, the set of instructions that contains the information the virus needs to function. Mutation occurs when the virus replicates while inside a host, such as a human body. Uh, this is a new virus, so people are finding out how it's behaving. And what they're finding is that it is mutating quite rapidly. It's quite effective at changing 
And of all the various mutations, some of them are proving problematic. So what you're seeing is it's not mutating slowly. In other words, that a small part of the organism is changing genetically. It's it's jumping two or three steps. Uh, and and that's what makes the Delta uh, variant so dangerous because it's jumped a few of the steps. It's it's kind of a fast learner and uh, therefore uh, it poses a threat. And, and, and by the time you're coming to grips with this threat, it's spread very, very quickly around the world and uh, is causing all sorts of problems, as we mentioned. And of course, there's a couple of questions that people really want answered and it may not be possible for the scientific community to answer those questions yet. But I suppose the big question is, does the variant that we're seeing spreading across the UK now make people sicker? And do the people who are getting sick, is that age cohort changing? Yeah. So, I mean, remember, this is high science here. The very fact that uh, we're able to genetically sequence a virus is incredible, incredibly advanced. And we have British science uh, largely to thank for that. The cases that we have around the world of coronavirus, we probably don't know what sort is involved, but we are finding out that because of the increase in cases in Britain, we're able to start analysing what is going on. And so the early data, and it is early data, and there are confusion, there's a lot of noise in this data, but it appears to be somewhere between 40 or 60% more transmissible than the previous alpha variant, which is dominant here in Ireland. That was the UK variant that came over Christmas. Remember that UK variant in itself was 40% more transmissible than the one we had before. So you're seeing that this virus is getting fitter. Now, there's less data about hospitalisation and and severity, but there are indications that it doesn't make you sicker. And there are some suggestions that there will be an increased risk of hospitalisation from the British data, but but, but it's not entirely clear. And there are some encouraging signs that things have stabilised. Basically, the Delta variant, as with other variants, is running up against a vaccine wall, which is not completely uh, impenetrable, but is largely impenetrable. So what you're seeing in, in Britain is that the cases are almost exclusively among the unvaccinated and mostly among younger people, young people, school going age and uh, and early 20s. And um, so, so it's not comparable with the previous year, but they they are falling sick and there has been an increase in hospitalizations. And one of the things that a lot of people talked about in the very early stages of the pandemic was the reproduction rate. And, you know, it was all about getting the number under one. And then when people talked about other viruses, measles was kind of the top dog with a reproduction rate of around 18 or something. Do we know yet what the reproduction rate or what the R number of the Delta variant is? Yeah, so for for a disease, for a virus, um, the reproduction rate varies according to the measures that you might take to prevent it. So, for example, we all wear masks and we keep our distance. That reduces it. But there is a figure for a basic reproduction rate for any virus and, and for, for COVID. And from what I can remember of those figures, the originally it, it might have been around four, which was pretty high. And then we, we wore our masks and we kept our distance and we washed our hands and we brought it down below one. And, and last summer, most of our cases kind of disappeared. But then after Christmas, with the new British variant that came along, that was increased. Um, and now I think we're up uh, by some estimates, and there are only estimates for this variant, that this could have uh, a, a raw um, R number of somewhere above six. The hill has got steeper. How do we know how 
widespread the Delta variant is in this country. I mean, the numbers seem small at the moment, but presumably they're not testing every single case of COVID. So how do we know what percentage are Delta, what percentage are Alpha or any of the other variants that are out there? So the National Virus Reference Library in, in UCD is the key uh, agency here. They're the people with the technology to do this and they do outsource some of the genetic sequencing to Germany as well. So they sequence a proportion of cases. It, w- it was quite low and it's up to about 30% of cases are now sequenced. It's pretty good by international terms, maybe not quite as good as Britain. That process takes an, uh, a week to two weeks. So when you hear about a number of cases that have been sequenced, it's one or two weeks out of date, which can matter a lot in this situation. Yeah. And the other caveat about our figures is, of course, a cyber attack on the HSE systems, which has downed a lot of the information processing capability. So there's a slight worry there about that, that we're not picking up things as much as we should. But I think those worries are waning as time goes on because the increase have been very small. And actually, what has happened uh, is that on, in early May, we did imp- introduce travel restrictions with India, mar- mandatory hotel quarantine. So that reservoir of cases coming into the country was was stopped somewhat late, I have to say, but it was stopped. And since then, that has acted as a break on the number of cases we have. OK, but if we if we stopped people coming in from India in the springtime to try and curb the spread of the Delta variant, what should we be doing about people from the UK where the variant seems to be particularly rampant? I mean, are enough restrictions in place, in your view, between Ireland and the UK? This Delta variant now is in about 80 countries. It's around. The, it's all around the place. It's huge in India. It's huge in the UK. That's very relevant for us. Um, but it, you could, it could be coming from other places too. But clearly there is an issue with the UK. Uh, the government has uh, imposed stricter rules on travel in terms of testing and so on with Britain. They haven't done so with Northern Ireland, though some consideration has been given to that. So if you consider... I mentioned that we have about 5% of our cases are Delta variant cases. In Britain, it is now dominant. Over 90% of sequence cases are Delta. In the U- in, in Northern Ireland, it's around 25%. It's going to come here. It's just a matter of time and trying to hold back the tide for as long as possible while we continue to vaccinate. And one of the interesting and alarming things, I suppose, about the pandemic as it has unfolded has been the, the, the waves and the surges and, you know, those moments when people think that we've beaten the virus and then it comes back. Um, and that's been kind of happening in the UK where we were looking at them kind of enviously six or eight or ten weeks ago and they were planning to reopen. But has that reopening process been significantly derailed? Well, yes, in Britain, obviously, their great day of reopening our uh, um, liberty has been delayed by a month. Since today, I cannot say that we have met all our four tests for proceeding with step four on June the 21st. I think it is sensible to wait just a little longer. There have been huge twists and turns in, in the whole, this whole pandemic. And woe betide the person who confidently predicts that this thing is all over. Britain is now having a surge of cases. It's having an increase in hospitalisation. The same thing can happen to us. However, firstly, we are stemming the tide in relation to the Delta variant cases so far. Uh, Secondly, the cases will inevitably involve mostly younger people who hopefully won't be affected uh, as much as older people and more vulnerable people would be to the variant. So 
we will possibly have a surge of cases, but the nature of those cases will hopefully be more venial and uh, less serious for those involved. But that's not a given. That's not certain. And it's been the history of this pandemic that increases in cases that start among younger people have eventually spread to older people. Mm. But as I say, we have the difference now is vaccination. And you, you characterise it as the tide, trying to stop the tide. It's also been characterised as a race between the vaccination programme and the spread of the Delta variant. How is Ireland doing in that race? Do you think the vaccination programme is likely to keep ahead of the spread of the Delta variant here? So just considering us and the UK, the UK has been a leader in vaccination. However, they did a lot of first doses first before fully vaccinating people. And they paid a price for that because of the exposure uh, to the Delta variant that, that, that you get after only one. But uh, in Ireland, what are we? We're at about 61% of adults are vaccinated uh, with one dose and maybe around 30% are, are fully vaccinated with two doses or, or, or Johnson & Johnson. So we are about the EU average. You know, it, it, we're probably in a similar position to Britain in a way because we have less vaccination, uh, but fewer cases. So uh, it is a race and it's impossible to predict the outcome of that race. But the signs at the moment are encouraging because we have managed to keep the number of cases down. In fact, in recent weeks, the number of Delta variant cases have been has been going down, the ones that we've detected anyway. And meanwhile, the vaccination rollout is at its peak at the moment. In fact, it will be it's at its peak at around 300,000 people uh, a week being done. So uh, at the moment, uh, it's looking good. But of course, we're moving into the holiday season when people move around uh, a lot more than they do in the rest of the year. Uh, and that is a risk. And one of the things that might be impossible to answer is how worried should we be about future variants of COVID-19? And does science point to any limits there might be to how bad a variant of a virus of this nature can get? You know, for me as a journalist, it's, it's important to try and strike a balance. And I've written before about what, what were termed scariants, you know, you really cannot feed off the worry that can be generated by fretting about every single variation. As I said, this is a natural process. Most of the variants that will arise are harmless. Some aren't. And there is a process for recognising the ones that pose a risk. First of all, they're called variants of interest. And then if they are more transmissible and more dangerous, they become termed uh, variants of concern. And we only have about a handful of those variants in concern internationally. And they're the ones that we need to be concerned about. You know, worry is kind of a useless uh, um, uh, human emotion in a way, really. Um, people need to uh, adjust their behaviour and their activities according to the risk that's there. At the moment, it's low. If they're vaccinated, they have very, very high protection. And particularly about uh, in, in terms of serious illness, um, all of the vaccines provide uh, huge protection against any kind of serious illness from any variant. So the first thing people need to do is get vaccinated rather than worrying about what might happen in the future. Yes, um, it, it does point to this virus being able to change and adapt and uh, it's going to take years before people are, have access to vaccines. There are going to be more mutations. but. It's equally likely that that this uh, whole thing could fade away just as other forms of coronavirus did in the past. OK. And in terms of the great reopening of the country and maybe the reopening of the country in terms of international borders, does this variant have the potential to slow that down? I mean, we, we, we've seen 
hospitality opening in early June and then there are plans for indoor dining and indoor drinking to open in, in, in early July. Can the Delta variant derail those plans, do you think? It can. It's not clear yet. And at the moment, it doesn't seem likely. There's two main elements, as you mentioned. One is indoor socialising, which is a risky activity um, in the absence of protection uh, from vaccination principally. And the other is international travel. And uh, as you know, uh, there are semi-laid plans in the EU to open up travel from the middle of July. Um, the, the mood music from Neffet uh, and from the chief medical officer is very positive. I, mean, I must say the, the, the most recent briefing they had was the most positive one I've seen yet. So there's no reason to think that it will de- derail our plans just yet. Um, but as we know, um, it's foolish to make uh, firm predictions when there's so many variables involved. Coming up, the debate about antigen testing and Ireland's reopening. There's been a lot of debate in recent weeks, recent days, about the use of antigen testing to maybe help society reopen faster than it might otherwise do. What are the public health officials, including Tony Holan and Philip Nolan and all the others, what are they saying about antigen testing and what role do they think it might have in helping to Ireland to reopen maybe a little bit faster? I have to admit, I've been trying to work out my own view on antigen testing with difficulty over the last few months. It's become a huge issue and it's become a, a stick maybe to beat our public health officials because of their reluctance to go down that road. It's arguably the case at the moment that NEFIT is the most powerful unelected body in the country. Uh, from my own perspective, I am extremely concerned around Ireland's lackadaisical approach to the area of antigen testing. NEFIT's view is that uh, antigen testing has a place, but as an adjunct, as support to the standard PCR testing. There's a whole range of ethical acceptability concerns, the performance of the test, the logistics of the, of the test. All of that has to be considered. As you know, that PCR testing is expensive and it takes time to get results. Antigen testing is quick results and you could do it yourself. So many in aviation and in uh, the entertainment industry see antigen testing as a way of getting back to normality uh, by being able to fly or hold events uh, with mass testing. Uh, Tony Houlihan's view as chief medical officer is that He's hoping that with mass vaccination, with the numbers of cases falling away, there won't be a need for testing because people will be protected with two doses of vaccine. The safest way for us to reopen society, including international travel, will be continue to control the instance of the disease. And we're making encouraging progress in that regard through a range of public health measures which are continuously reviewed, as we do, along with progressing the national vaccination programme to ensure as many people as possible within the population are protected. And the incidence of the disease will be so low that it's not a, a threat. I think that's the, the promised land. I mean, we, 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 we reached that last summer, even without vaccination. So it, it does seem that it might be attainable again. And uh, hopefully we won't need to go through this debate again, because it is very polarised debate with experts on both sides quite entrenched in their positions. And of course, looking into the longer term, I mean, will COVID-19 be with us this time next year, maybe in a different form? Or do we know yet just how enduring this particular virus is likely to be? 
Yeah, I, I have an occasion for articles, uh, ask the experts what their view of the, the end game is. And I think there is a broad consensus that COVID is going to be around with us to come. It's going to become endemic. You're going to see flare ups as you as you do with measles, for example, when measles hits an unvaccinated group and there's a flare up locally. There should be the systems in place to pounce on those flare-ups and to reduce them and control them. So it should be manageable um, given widespread vaccination. We may need booster shots. I think that's also considered necessary by some experts, not by others. So it's hard to say at this stage, we're still studying it. But it, it, it will be a continual reality. It will be a threat. Uh, I think if you're talking about people wearing masks and so on, the recommendations requiring mask wearing and other um, restrictions may fall away, but I think the psychology won't fall away quite so quickly. So I think uh, you will see people behaving cautiously, a good section of the population behaving very cautiously, perhaps for good reason, for quite some time. Uh, So normality will take uh, years to uh, return to rather than months. And of course, Paul, as the health editor of the Irish Times, you've been writing about this since the very start of the crisis going back to February of 2020, I think. And you've written about little else over the last 15 or 16 months. So would you describe yourself as optimistic about the future? I'm optimistic, yeah. I I, I think I, I, you know, I think last year when I was researching uh, material for articles and uh, I, I was searching for solutions and some of the solutions seem uh, like bright, shiny pennies, but they turn out not to be um, solutions, really. You know, people advocated lifting the lockdown. Other people wanted uh, zero COVID Ireland. And there were there were reasons that neither of those things were possible. Um, but I think the main truth that has emerged this year is that vaccines work. Uh, the ones that have been developed had huge, I mean, to have a vaccine efficiency of over 90% was an incredible achievement for a new invention. Uh, And that is our greatest, um, you know, um, support in this battle. I suppose you could say we'd be lost without it, but um, uh, vaccines work and they are working and they will continue to work. And if there are chinks in their armour, they will be tweaked and they will work better. So I am optimistic, yeah, and I think uh, I certainly will be hoping that, you know, for for me and for my family and for my children going to school, that normality does return to their lives and my life um, as soon as possible. Paul Cullen, thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday.